0: on comics a podcast making comics more welcoming and friendly particularly for lgbtq folks and women readers bitches wanted i'm essie Fleenor and i'm sarah century
1: here's a question from james i'm not new by any means to comics but for a
0: first-time reader what's a comic series you'd recommend well first off I just want to say, James, I appreciate a softball. It's nice to get a broad question like this to answer. It just gives us an opportunity to talk more about what we like, which thanks. So it's hard to answer that question. It's hard to recommend a comic for just any first time reader. Do you like superheroes? Do you like romance? Do you like, because we forget, I think sometimes that comics and graphic literature are just another medium. There are all these types within that. But I'm gonna start with, I'm gonna give you four all age comics that I like and tell you a little bit about them, and then I'll give you four adults only, and then Sarah's gonna share some of what she recommends. So, one that I really love is called Taproot, and it's a story about a gardener and a ghost. It's a very cute book, it's definitely YA, it's very romantic. It's adorable, if you like gardening or ghosts, then it's for you. And it's really a cool book because it's about self-understanding. It's super queer as well, highly recommend. The next one I'd say is Lumberjanes, which is feminist as all get out, hilarious. Each of the characters is so well-developed. They have conflict in these really productive ways. They get along in these productive ways. It's just full of whip-smart young people. And it's deeply inclusive in sort of a radical way that I think is worth exploring and checking out. Next, I'd say The Witch Boy. A, because magics, and B, because it confronts gender roles and really talks about what does it mean to have rules about what kind of magician different people can be. And as you probably realize, it's a lot about... Being someone who doesn't fit what you're supposed to be. That's why it's about The Witch Boy. It's very precious, gentle, soft, still actively coming out. And then finally, my heart of hearts, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. It's just a very funny, straight-up comic that is, oh my gosh, so outrageous. And it's got great issues, it's been written really well. It started coming out in 2016. Just cannot, cannot recommend it enough. You will just feel filled with goodness and light every time you pick it up. Okay, now for the adults only, these are some of my faves, and so you know, you might have heard me talk about them on other episodes. So the first is I'd say Lazarus. I think it's a really fantastic graphic novel. It's post-apocalyptic. It seems scarily like, oh, in ten years, this is what will be happening. And it has a lot of sexy tension and interesting identity development. And there are clones. I love clones, so. Half of what I'm gonna recommend has clones in it. <laughs> the other one I'd say is The Sandman, especially the Neil Gaiman run. It is just a total mind F. You will just be, what, when, where, how, what is this, who is that? Is that the character I was reading about? I don't know what's happening. And it'll feel really good though. It won't be like, oh, I wanna close this. And it's deeply philosophical. It's clearly Gaiman dealing with all of his questions about good and evil and time and how do stories influence us? How do we grow as people because of stories? And it's also like a real trip. The books are laid out really interestingly in ways where the panels might be skewed on the page or a panel might run across a couple of pages. And so it's a really cool book for getting into some of the artsy cool things that can be done with comic books. And I have two more for you. One is Agents of Hate, which is just so funny it's almost a satire it's not quite a parody but it's about these heroes who all sort of arrive in marvel comics at one point or another one of them is monica rambeau who is photon was once captain marvel if you've seen the captain marvel film that's carol's girlfriend maria's daughter i use the term girlfriend on purpose you can read between the lines is there a space between girl and friend is there not there's not (laughs) <laughs> and what's great about Agents of Hate is it's like you got a beer fueled robot no it's not Bender but it could be Bender just hysterical all these losers who are rejects from their own teams who get back together and they're awesome except they're really not it's a great commentary on the superhero trope i recommend it because i think you don't have to know a ton about superheroes although it's like 2019 who doesn't know a lot about superheroes even if you don't want to and so it's a really really fun book because it, it's very cheeky and the final is probably the first comic book i would hand to anyone is bitch planet Again, it doesn't feel like it's very far off, but it's a fantastic series. In it, the world is run by men, shocking. And men don't like women, shocking, shocking. So check it out. Kelly Sue DeConnick wrote this and it was really interesting. She had been writing the Captain Marvel right when Miss Marvel became Captain Marvel, when Carol changed her call sign. And right after she finished Captain Marvel, as she was writing it, I should say, people were accusing her of being an angry feminist. And so she said, oh, oh, you want to see an angry feminist? And then came out with Bitch Planet, which is really, really fantastic. A notable piece of Bitch Planet is there are really, really fleshed out and interesting fat characters who are allowed to be people and who are allowed to interact with the world, even as the world is trying to erase them. And a lot of characters have multiply marginalized identities that are really, they're given plenty of room to breathe on the page even though in their society they're not given that room to breathe so it's a really beautiful sort of reckoning with privilege and with with the state of the world it also is filled with devastating unexpected twists that I I I recommend reading it slowly because it's it's there are some sad parts you'll be okay though
1: Yes. I second pretty much all of those. I think all of those. Persepolis is one that I would give to pretty much anyone because it's just a really strong anti-war statement and it takes things from a very personal perspective. Everybody should probably read it. It's a great reason to not love war. And... I would say Linda Barry's works are ones that I could just hand to pretty much anyone. And if you don't love them, you might not love me, I guess, because <laughs> it's just such a kind way of looking at the world, I guess, because a lot of the subject matter that Linda Barry deals with and her books have been collected mostly by Drawn and Quarterly. There's a lot of different collections. You can pretty much pick up any single one of them and you're going to be fine. But she also did a couple novels. Just check out her work. She teaches classes where she teaches people how to access the artistic part of their brain, which they might not have accessed in a while because a lot of times the students will be business, et cetera, et cetera. So kind of her whole thing is just bringing art to the world and looking at people who do these really terrible things with just kind of this unending love and patience. And looking at herself with the same patience, trying to anyway, and being very self-deprecating, making jokes about how she's making these comics on yellow legal paper, <laughs> you know. The masters wouldn't have done that. And she's like, well, here we are. And then she talks about using used paper for her comics, things that she finds in the trash, right on a receipt, whatever. There's just something really beautiful about her work. Levin Rockets is one that I would always recommend. Levin Rockets is certainly a ton of adult material, so I wouldn't give that maybe to kids, <laughs> yeah. but I would definitely give it to most adults because just that whole sprawling epic of a story is truly a beautiful and brilliant ongoing comic book epic, essentially. I would say maybe if that's a little bit too age group inappropriate maybe try something like strangers in paradise where it's kind of the same setup of them being like oh are they ever gonna see that they love each other kind of situation but you know less grown up i guess <laughs> pretty grown up but it's still something that i felt really comfortable reading when i was a teenager and i i didn't get into 11 rockets until a lot later so i struggled to know how i would have reacted to that and when i was 15 years old lots of superhero comics that'll be an ongoing recommendation i have tons (laughs) tons and tons and tons of superhero comics women's comics i think was really good that's a collection by trina robbins and a ton of other people who did animation at the time i'd probably give those comics to pretty much anyone a lot of dan close stuff like eight ball and all that like We love that. A lot of people can relate to that stuff. That kind of like sarcastic, you know, just bleak look on the world (laughs) that a lot of those 90s dude cartoonists had. All of that stuff is really good. We're going to have a lot of recommendations as we go through this. We even have comic of the week and stuff. So you're going to be hearing a lot about the stuff that we really enjoy. But this kind of gives us one opportunity <laughs> to say many things about comics specifically that we really love. And uh, those are all ones that I think we can both co-sign on.
0: Yes. Yeah, so thank you, James, again, for the softball question. And if you're interested in learning more about our reading lists, you can check <laughs> it out on our Patreon. We're at patreon.com backslash on We provide reading lists based on each episode to our Patreon. So we really appreciate you asking, and we hope we'll see you
1: see you over there. Yeah. (laughs) Essie, let's get real. Okay. What's the first comic that you ever read? Why did it resonate with you? Mm. That's a good
0: question. So I did not grow up reading comic books. I grew up in a house that actually didn't have a lot of books in it. So, and I think because of my perceived gender, I was sort of steered towards other things. So I read my first comic in a little town in England. <laughs> my host mother knew that I was interested in science fiction and fantasy. And she was like, hey, here's, here's a book, check it out. And I was like, what is this book? I don't know if I'm gonna like this. And I like look at the cover and Sarah, you're gonna love this. It's Palomar, which is a Love and Rockets book that is, uh was originally published under the Heartbreak Soup stories. And it is about this little fictional town in Latin America. It's sort of like nondescript Latin America that is just this weird, awesome place where ghosts are and scientists are testing the soil and busty women are jokes and then they're serious and little kids who all look the same are climbing trees and throwing things at each other and I remember reading it and just being like I don't I don't I don't know flipping the pages and being like I love this and I have no words for why I love this (laughs) but I, I think I read the whole volume in a night because I was just so enraptured by the combination really of like the images and the words. And over time I found this about myself. I'm really drawn to graphic literature that doesn't have a lot of words written on the page. Or has none. One that I read recently is called Sea of Love. Very beautiful. And I also always think of The Arrival. As it, which is another wordless one. It's not the same as Arrival the film. It's The Arrival. Hey. <laughs> graphic literature book. And it is just, there's something about the way emotion is conveyed in drawings. And there's something about the way desperation and isolation is portrayed. When you don't use words, that makes me feel really weird, but good weird. Like, Am I growing as a person? Am I someone new now? I don't know. And sometimes it's like a picture of a fish, and I'm like, I have so many feelings about this fish. <laughs> and I think that Palomar really planted that seed. I remember there's just this moment, and it's a panel with no words in it, and I think one of the kids is up a tree, but it's a, a extra long panel, so taking probably three panels width and. I think about that. When I think about Palomar, I think about that moment of the kid. And I think maybe he's hiding from a friend or, or he got hurt or lost. I can't remember exactly what happened. But it reminded me really of growing up in the Southwest and about how, you know, trees will be in the middle of nowhere. And I was like, wow, you could have told me what this character was feeling in, in like a textual novel. And I could have maybe felt that. And you could describe what it looked like. And I could maybe, you know, I'm sure I would have felt that. But seeing it, we're such visual beings and especially since they have into film, which obviously I do not predate our brains. I do. <laughs> okay, Sarah's a dinosaur. You should know that. Uh, I invented movies. <laughs> you know that one that you see that's like like the guy and the horse, and that then was there's me. like the frames. That was Sarah. And I was the horse. So all I'm saying is we're all pretty famous here. But I just really found myself my brain that loves movies, loves TV, loves all these things that also I love books, I was like, oh my God, you can put them together? (laughs) This is the greatest of all possible worlds. And what's funny about that is I was in grad school at the time and I didn't pick up another graphic novel for probably four or five years. And then I just fell back in love. I try and read several dozen every year of graphic novels that are, I read a lot of stuff I don't like because I think there's always somebody doing something interesting in graphic work. And I also have a lot of apps on my phone to read comic books. So I try to start every day with a comic book now where that's why I've got Gwen Stacy on the mind. I just read all of those like a couple weeks ago. And I just really think it's a very different way of, of engaging with a story, of internalizing a narrative. But yeah, I mean, I was so surprised to realize that it was Palomar that was my first that I really read. For a little while, I thought it was something else. But it really, really, really was a book that made me just see that I wanted to see stories told this way Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and you're opening up on the masterpiece in my opinion
1: the palomar stories are just kind of the best stories and what you're talking about how gilbert hernandez uses these giant panels where very little is happening because he's conveying space and time in a way that a lot of comics would be like well we need to fill that with things happening or make your panels tighter or something like that he wasn't really trained you know those are both guys who went into comics because they loved comics they were really young kids whenever they started making comics so they didn't have somebody being like don't do it that way they were immediately a successful independent comic as young kids you know so they just kind of grew a different way and I think that they told very different stories so I think that that's a very interesting place to start because you're kind of you're getting this story where everybody's commenting on what we can do with comics outside of comics kind of but it's also the best comic, basically, <laughs> to me. That's my favorite comic.
0: It's like comic candy. Yes. Well, I mean, that was one of the reasons we first bonded, mm. was you mentioned Love and Rockets. And I was like, I'm sorry, what now? <laughs> do you want to talk about Palomar? Can I ask you questions? <laughs> oh, what next? What do I do with this? And mm-hmm. I just remember feeling very excited that someone else... You know, I don't Palomar hear a lot of tattoo. people... <laughs> I know, it's so beautiful. Sarah has a very beautiful uh, Palomar tattoo inside of her wrist. You don't get to see it because you're not in here in person, but I do. I guess that's the downside of being a listener and not a person who's sitting in a room with me. (laughs) It's a glamorous life. Um, You should all be very jealous. We sit alone in rooms and click on computers. What about you? Like, what was was your this is gonna be really interesting I'm very excited <laughs> because Sarah again do you have a sense of how long you've been reading yeah I mean I guess that'd be my answer
1: to the question I've always been reading comics mm. even whenever I was a little little kid and I was reading Archie Donald Duck all of the little kid comics I got into Casper Wendy the Good Witch <laughs> I was reading all of that stuff because I just had access to it it was just always around the house that was stuff that people who were parental figures for me found it to be little kid stuff you know? you You know, like, disgraceful. But... I was a little kid, you know, and I I was also (laughs) reading Edgar Allan Poe and stuff like that as a very small child. So I was reading everything that I came into contact with. I was a very bored kid. I was in rural Missouri, you know, as a young kid. I'm from Nashville, but then my family moved me to rural Missouri. I was reading literally anything that was around me. I went through the vast majority of this very small town's library, you know, before I left at age 14. And comics were just part of that, I guess. Um... They were just always around. I was always reading comics. I was reading Hot Stuff, The Little Devil, all of those cute, nerdy little comics. And then whenever it became a thing, (laughs) in quotations, like a thing that brings us here today, it was basically, I went into a gas station. In Missouri, they don't have comic stores because it's just... fields (laughs) they have some fast food places but they don't really have that many comic stores there's a few i don't want to sell anybody out who's like running an excellent comic store in missouri i'm sure that you exist Um, and be
0: in touch we offer 30 second spots on our podcast
1: (laughs) yes we're open to advertising for you let Um, us
0: help missourians that's what we want to do really
1: we'd love to especially me because i was an isolated kid in missouri who desperately wanted a comic store Uh, there just wasn't one close to us. So the way that I bought them was going into a gas station. My dad asked me if I wanted candy, soda, anything, but I was transfixed as I had seen a comic book on the shelf that had Storm on it. It was X-Men Unlimited number seven. I've written like a whole article about this comic and it's Storm on the cover, lightning everywhere behind her. She has her fist in the air, her hair's wild, I had not ever seen anything like that. I had watched the Pride of the X-Men cartoon, which is the the pilot for the animated series, which if you watch it, you'll find it very hilarious. It's We'll say that they improved greatly by the time that they got to the 92 series. But So I had seen that, and then I had never heard of it again because it was just a pilot episode. So I was like, what happened to the X-Men? I wanted to watch this cartoon all the time. Never got to follow up on that until, you know, the 90s, basically, the early 90s, whenever the cartoon did become mainstream. But the comic was just everything that you could imagine. I'm in the middle of rural Missouri. Nobody looks like Storm. There is no Storm there, you know. There's no power there for women characters, you know. I go from reading Wendy the Good Witch, whose whole thing is is that she's supposed to be super nice to everyone, no matter what. (laughs) And then you have, you work your way into something like Storm, And that story is about Storm going back into her past and going to Cairo. She goes with Jean and Gambit. Gambit is a complete jerk the entire time. Shocking. Jean and Storm's friendship is on display. Jean is the person who helps Storm through that story. So a lot of times when people are just like, well, how do you reconcile all of the sexism that was in comics whenever you first got into comics? And it's like... Well, because the first comic I read was super pro-female friendship, Storm is the main character. All of these characters had a ton of power, and they were more powerful than Annoying
0: Gambit. <laughs> and yeah, and for the record, how do you reconcile the sexism in any form of literature? Seriously. Like, comic books are not
1: more. They were pretty bad at the time. Yeah. Like, don't get me wrong. The 90s were a rough time for, <laughs> for so many reasons. Mainstream, but though, right? Mainstream anything <laughs> was rough in the 90s. <laughs> Have
0: um, you rewatched Friends? <laughs> yeah.
1: don't because it's bad it's not good okay Um, mm -hmm. the X-Men actually I'm gonna say are a little bit more empowered than friends (laughs) because they I'm not trying to put them neck and neck they might have a crossover at some point
0: Um. (laughs) I would like to see you write a book called The X-Men more empowered than friends I think that would be (laughs) really actually that's my next podcast (laughs) Um, I'd
1: appreciate it if you didn't reveal my secrets (laughs) um (laughs) (laughs) But i am gonna say that that first comic was not at all sexist garbage it was Mm -hmm. actually really great it had a female villain it was a female main character jean gray was amazing which is i still love jean gray to this day and people are like but she was like the worst character on the x-men series and it's like yeah she totally was but i was reading comics and she was great in those so what do you want from me And then basically from that, it was just a full dedication from then on out. I had gotten my first taste of the X-Men universe, which is... As everybody knows, in the early 90s was literally one of the most confusing franchises that you could try to walk into because every page has editor's notes and go back to this time and who's this twin all of a sudden? Who knows? What's G.R.A. even? Demons? Maybe? Demons? Maybe? Miliana, uh, <laughs> five years old, 20. Who knows? <laughs> Can't tell. Dying of the legacy virus, maybe. <laughs> She's dead. Okay. Moving on from Miliana, Like... <laughs> Oh, Colossus. Eliana. Colossus, is he a good guy in the X-Men? Is he in space with Magneto? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he's in space with Magneto. Oh, but is he having like kind of a change of heart? It seems like he is. I'm not sure why. We didn't really explore it. But still in space. <laughs> Cyclops, what is it? He even, we don't know. He's just there. Dad? Don't know. Is he my dad? He might be my dad. Am I from the future? Who's my mom? Is it Jean Grey? is it the phoenix
0: who should i stop sleeping with her
1: (laughs) madeline pryor nate gray weird (laughs) very weird that's what i was walking into at the time and And i loved it was so into it so beyond into it i was watching like daytime soaps with my grandma and getting into x-men and i think that those two things coincide with each other pretty good yeah that seems that seems really
0: accurate And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.
1: This episode's comic of the week is Silver Surfer Black. Silver Surfer was created by Jack Kirby and Stan Lee. This comic was written by Donny Cates. Art is by Trad Moore, colors by Dave Stewart, Clayton Cowles does lettering, and it looks like a whole lot of people were involved in the editing of this.
0: How did you feel about Silver Surfer Black? Well, you know I love Silver Surfer. I love that Silver Surfer's melodramatic. I love that Silver Surfer has sort of a chip on his shoulder. I love that Silver Surfer was like a planet eater's errand boy turned savior. I love that he's been alive forever. I love that he doesn't use um, contractions, right? That's one of his conventions. (laughs) I love that. It's such a silly detail, but it's so... I just love Silver Surfer, and I thought Silver Surfer Black was gorgeous. I love the illustrations so far. I think that the coloring is fantastic, especially when you go to these different planets that don't sort of con- at all conscribe to what we consider reality to be. I love that Silver Surfer is just so sad. I know that sounds really mean, but I mean, Silver Surfer's done some really bad things and should be sad. He's listening to the cure in space like all of the time.
1: God, I love that. What well, I mean, what else are you going to do? You're going to surf your feelings away. <laughs> <laughs> and you're going to listen to Robert Smith's discography. And that's going to make you feel real good.
0: It actually reminds me of the um, the episode from Futurama called Godfellas. I don't know if you've seen it, but where Bender gets shot into space by accident. He's sleeping in a torpedo bay because he's Bender. Then he gets hit by an asteroid or a comet, I can't remember, and it ends up leaving life on him, and then they grow, and they, become, <laughs> like, they like, start worshiping him, and then he's trying to help them, and they're like, help us, metal lord! And then he keeps setting them all on fire, or, yeah. like, disfiguring them, and he, like, made them create beer for him. So, I think of, you know, Bender as the antithesis of Silver Surfer, mm-hmm. except instead of, like, that, that setting. Right.
1: You know? So, he is finding life on his body, and he is extremely sad and responsible to it he knows that they are fated to die and that there is no way that he can sustain them i don't know if i'm running away with this analogy but i love it (laughs) but silver surfer is the emo the most emo of all of the emos we have marvel cosmic where a lot of people are very detached living tribunal everything is about judgment And then Silver Surfer comes in
0: (laughs) to be like, well, maybe things are about feelings. Maybe they are. But like has this weird sort of almost automaton relationship to the feelings at first. He's always trying to be cool and like silver and serious. Surfing. He's he's surfing seriously and silver through space, people. But then he like starts crying when he thinks about things, which is, I love A Tender Dandy Soul so much.
1: He's a tender dandy. And he he also, through this comic, I thought they just really brought it back to the time of Silver Surfer wandering through the cosmos and just having this unending existential crisis. He encounters so many different life forms. He has such a broader understanding and consciousness than what we can even really imagine. And then he uses that consciousness to think sad thoughts. And it's (laughs) really good. Also, he has his sad girlfriend. He, oh, had his, he lost his sad wife. Yeah, like, sad partner story. We yeah. We're completely on your side, Silver Surfer. And also, he kind of can smack the Fantastic Four around sometimes, which I
0: respect in a cosmic entity. I do like that. I do like that part. It, this made me think of Silver Surfer Parable, which is this, I don't even know what year it's from, but just this lovely sort of out of time storyline about Galactus coming to Earth and Silver Surfer has been sleeping dormant on Earth and gets hassled by the cops for looking homeless and it was just like this really awesome comic about humanity and about how sad for humanity silver surfer feels because he's just like why do you want a god why do you want to be dominated be free that's so much better and humanity's like please step on my neck silver surfer we love you <laughs> and then he <laughs> and then he's like okay fine fine I'm going to be a dick. And so he's like, I'm going to, you guys got to start worshiping me left and right and this and that. And they're like, ooh, gross. We don't like Silver Surfer anymore. And as he's surfing away, as he does, uh, Silver Surfer's like, yeah, that's what I wanted to happen. I was manipulating you into rejecting me. You're just saying that at the end, Silver Surfer. It was kind of like a sour sour grapes moment.
1: (laughs) He's like, fine, good. I didn't like want to be your lord and savior. (laughs) Great. I'm glad that you have independent will. That's like the point I was even trying to prove, so I don't know why you were even started out like this. So I thought that this series, too, was really good because the art, first of all, is just Mm. absolutely phenomenal. They bring in a lot of the Silver Surfer themes, all of that wandering through the cosmos feeling really sad, but then also they're bringing up his past and telling you, hey, P.S., this guy really did caused genocide on multiple planets for a very long time so the amount of guilt that he feels is something that i don't think that
0: we would actually be able to put together in our hearts As humans. And that's, like, I think that's an advantage of the comic book form in this, is it's depicted visually in such a powerful way. His body is falling apart while he's falling apart.
1: It's really, really good. This comic, I think, was one of my favorite Silver Surfers that I have read in a really long time, because the last ones I think I was reading was, like, Zany Space Adventures (laughs) with Dan Slott and Mike Allred, which is fun and good, but it really isn't what I identify with the Silver Surfer as, which is totally just Robert Smith in space. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I really, you know, when you were just talking about how he sort of comes apart as he's falling, he's sort of falling through this void in space. But it's like not a void because if it was a void, then how would he be there? Don't worry about it. It's a comic book, people. Why don't are you worry. getting so into your heads about I it? I don't know why you're being so aggressive about this. Could you please just calm down? Please step back. Okay, thank you. I appreciate the space you've given us. But as he's falling through the void, Silver Surfer becomes kind of skeletal, which makes no sense because Silver Surfer has no skeleton. But it's done in such a haunting way that it kind of reminds you of like an emaciated body or like a body that's in partial decay and i love that moment too because the next panel is i put myself back together piece by piece <laughs> i'm like oh my god i love you silver surfer
1: yeah i love that he went to that planet and they were extremely hostile to him and he's like why are you guys being so hostile and then he's he remembers Oh, the genocide thing I did to oh, you. Mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. was a long time ago, so
0: I forgot. But you didn't forget about that. Yeah, it's a its a sort of funny moment where Silver just like, I'm all about peace. I don't want to fight you. Let's all be chill. And they're like, likely a uh, story, bud. Yeah, last time you were here, <laughs> you killed everyone. I think this is a really great – the whole
1: series so yeah. far has been really good. It's only two issues, and it's going to be a five-issue series – I'm
0: so excited
1: to watch it wrap up.
0: Yes, so not like Bender, yet still the Silverman in space. Thanks for listening to Bitches on Comics, the podcast that is here to answer your comic book questions and our own. If you'd like to ask us a question, email us at bitchesoncomics at gmail.com. B. T C H E S O N C O M I C S at gmail.com gmail does not like the word bitch so if you leave the I in we won't get your email so make sure you leave the I out there is no I in bitch
1: you can find out more about us and this podcast at bitchesoncomics.com if you like what we do and want us to keep doing it there are many ways you can show your support, including becoming patrons at patreon.com slash Also, please feel free to rate and review us so that more people can find out about us. We appreciate your support. Sound is recorded by Kate Warner, who plays in the band Churchfire, who you can follow at churchfiremusic.com. Theme music is by Earth Control Pill, and you can follow her work at earthcontrolpill.com. I'm Sarah Century, and you can find my work at sarahcentury.com. Follow me on
0: Twitter or Instagram. I'm Essie Fleenor, and you can find me at sefleenor.com. I'm also on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. This is Bitches on Comics, and we're recording in Denver, Colorado. We want to recognize the Indigenous peoples who have inhabited and do inhabit this land. The Arapaho Nation, the Ute Nation, the Cheyenne Nation and other sovereign nations who have been erased from our history and collective memories through colonization.